0: Welcome to the Noble 8 Podcast, Ape Reality. I'm Tom Barbalay, and today two things. Firstly, Biota Live went out on Friday night, the first Biota Live. And I must confess, recording a podcast in this manner seems remarkably primitive now, although I was speaking via a telephone and probably the audio quality reflects this. The whole performance aspect of recording these podcasts and then editing them down and sending them out requires so much additional time that just wasn't present on Friday night's recording. And whilst the numbers currently aren't as high as I would have hoped, it still seems to indicate that people were very receptive to the new live format. Another interesting thing which occurred is because I put so much publicity out associated with the live recording, other folks have discovered the podcast, but I guess they previously wouldn't have found out about the podcast, or perhaps it's my own fault because I should have sent more frequent mailings with regards to the podcast. Anyway, all very fascinating in terms of getting a message out and a continuing project, because the first one was certainly a success, and I think the ones into the future will be a success and a great means of just recording the spirit of artificial life, which I'm some kind of participant in. So, very excited with that, and certainly I think a way of the future in terms of podcast recording. I've passed that on to a number of my podcasting friends online, that perhaps they should consider Blog Talk Radio as being the interface that they use to produce their podcasts in terms of speed and delivery and these kind of things, so we'll see how that pans out. But certainly a number of topics are coming up in the future with regards to Biota Live and and I think very successful. Big thumbs up from me, and hopefully, a good way of getting the message out with regards to a generalist audience and also a very excited and interested hobbyist community. So, a great deal of fun. The second thing I wanted to talk about is that I watched this morning Revolution OS, which I suspect is probably an old documentary. I'm not sure how old it is, but it seems to kind of stop at about 2001 and they have footage of people bringing in computers which look kind of circa 2001 through to 2003. So, I'm not sure. Or when it actually came out. However, discussions with regards to open source are pretty well ongoing in terms of the artificial life discussions. I had an email yesterday from Jeffrey Ventrella, for example, saying that he is going to open sections of Gene Paul. I'm still yet to hear back from him what section specifically. But the situation with regards to open source and just the kind of symbiotic relationship between open source and artificial life is something that was brought up explicitly in Boat Alive with Justin Lyons' call in. And I guess my view has already. To been memorialised in the Is Open Source Good for Artificial Life Biota podcast that I put out probably about this time last year, actually. Thinking about dates and times and things. So watching Revolution OS, a couple of things struck me. The most prominent is this idea of history and who actually controls history and what do they do with their control of history. And the two protagonists, if one can have two protagonists in a documentary, Richard Storman on one hand and Linus Talwoods on the other, seem to indicate two points out of probably five or six points that I have concerns if they represent the specific points. I think my greatest concern with regards to the GNU project is the idea that if you have a problem with software licenses, the solution to it is create another software license. Growing up in Australia, I could never understand software licenses. I couldn't understand them in terms of other purchases that were made, for example, a car or a house or a microwave oven or these kind of things. The idea of ownership is completely removed, in the software license and similarly the kind of warranties that one gives and the lack of ability that one has for any degree of responsibility from the software vendor seems to completely eliminate it from any idea of a purchase that one could normally think about with regards to real world entity in some regard the software license as it has previously commercially existed seems to resonate with the fact that the lawyers that created the initial software licenses appreciated the ethereal nature of software in terms of it being electronic as opposed to something physical. And thus, even in traditional commercial software licenses, the description of the media and the software itself is actually quite heavily distinguished in the software license. So I could never understand GNU in terms of the idea that in order to solve this problem with software licenses, you needed to create another software license. I mean, that just seemed surreal to me. It still does to this day, to a certain extent. And I think it, it comes from a recursive mentality that exists with regards to novel thought, which ultimately has in its roots American imperialism, which I also found rather grinding at the time. The other concern I have with regards to the GNU movement is that it's ultimately regressive. It is about looking at things like Unix and the software that Storm was using at the time as being pinnacles, and the idea of developing new in terms of taking new ideas and new innovation and creating new stuff seems to be opposing to GNU in in some fundamental sense because ultimately the new stuff that you create may be completely independent of Unix. And this whole GNU in the shadow of Unix always gave me some degree of concern. The other thing that I have concerns about which came through quite heavily in the biota is open source good for artificial life is this idea of free and freedom. I think the greatest problem with regards to open source is that it has been completely commercially exploited and the idea the corporation Had immediately was that this was value that they were getting for nothing, and that seems to kind of go against the whole free as in freedom metaphor. Also, as a contemporary open source developer and someone who has observed a number of other open source developers, I can only say that these immense and amazing profits associated with services that the original model was designed to create are completely fallacious. And really, the people that talk about open source in a positive light tend to be the people that have made. quantities of money from open source so ultimately again this isn't going to move forward in any direction particularly quickly because there is a regressive minority that also seems to hold the balance of both communication and financial power with regards to open source so another strange paradox i've said this briefly in my kind of discussion up until this point but i have really strong concerns with regards to a kind of pax americana view of the history of computing development and software engineering and to a certain extent I see this coming through in the open source movement as well what interests me is this whole idea of history and who writes the history, how the history is written and what that ultimately means with regards to understanding where we are currently and moving into the future in previous podcasts I've talked about John Draper and Steve Wozniak as being two of my childhood heroes who ultimately were not really worthy of this hero status and in fact had been created heroes through this kind of strange pseudo history that had been created associated with them. I mean Wozniak's book is one of the few books that I've given away to someone only to have it given back to me in disgust. I couldn't even give it away. I was as a profoundly surreal text that seems to indicate that the most important things in Wozniak's life are actually not worth talking about whereas some kind of non-existent narrative and having met the man and having met John Draper and having associated with a number of people who are pretty fundamental in the creation of this computer history mythos—it just seemed really surreal to me, having had these experiences—and for me, it was a point of real personal struggle in terms of actually understanding that I had been extensively lied to for a degree of time, and also that the people that had perpetrated this lie were not only the parties involved, but a wide variety of kind of warm, fuzzy—you know, it's great that there's this history of computers and all this kind of stuff—which ultimately is a kind of pack. Americana, or I don't know the Latin, but an inspiring to our Americana ideal that seems to exist with regards to history in particular, but also tech journalism. See last year with regards to Google in particular. The other thing that caught me about Revolution OS was this idea of no hard word nerds. That in large part, and this I think is part of American nerd culture in some regard, a kind of passive aggressive nerd culture that. There of not in any way engaging discussions with regards to ideas of open source and with regards to the free software movement as a collective that has fundamentally failed in terms of its primary goals, which is to instill their own methodologies with regards to free software and open source, and also has failed with regards to actually getting open source out to the masses. So, this is a two part failure. When one sense you have to actually get them the stuff and the other sense you have to get them thinking about the stuff and really i think on both of those levels the free software slash open source movement needs to reinvent itself it needs to think very hard about what it's done to date and ways in which it will not continue in this direction in the future and ultimately this comes back to the ideas that the people that have made money through open source are fundamentally the ones who are writing the histories and telling the stories currently ironically whilst watching the documentary our two cats Luna and Bertie decided to have an extended catfight, and the catfight was actually far more interesting than watching the documentary. However, I did get to the end thanks to numerous fast-forwardings through extended discussions associated with things that were relatively fundamental, and at the end I got the sense that probably Stallman was a reasonable fellow. I've not had this sense up until watching the documentary, so I did actually get something out of it. I just think he's fundamentally misguided. I think he seems to have the right ideas, and he certainly seems to understand that the open-source community has been dominated by people that have profited from the open-source community but not contributed back to it in any productive sense. But at the same time, he has this kind of connection with his own history and legacy which seems to convolute his thinking and ultimately is problematic with regards to his own movement forward in terms of finding solutions and moving into the future. So, for contemporary open-source developers, where does this lead us? I think it's our responsibility to actively talk about reality Funnily enough, this happens with regards to artificial life as well. In the podcast on Friday night, I made the discussion point that there was, in fact, a great degree of pluralism in contemporary artificial life, and the idea that artificial life was just, be it genetic algorithms, be it cellular automata, be it all these kind of things, seemed to indicate just a historical misunderstanding with regards to where artificial life was currently. And I think that element was actually lost on Justin and Bruce in some regard, listening to their responses. I think Bruce through his own thinking, is currently going through some dichotomy between ultimately creationism and evolutionary methodologies in artificial life. And what fascinates me is that there are actually additional methodologies. And this was really the point that I was trying to make, that there are other components other than just genetic algorithms or creating things and letting them wander through environments. There are quite a multiplicity of solutions, and what you end up with as you move towards something that is more robust is a series of different ideas i think none of them are really creationist i think they're all elements of evolution in some regard if you think of social evolution as evolution and if you think of kind of sub-intelligence dealing with dynamics and chaos in some regard as evolution well yes that's there too but another point that seems to have come through in my post discussion with bruce after the recording was this idea that there needs to be grit in the environment there needs to be turbulence there needs to be chaos in the artificial life simulation in order to To get true evolution. And this is critical that actually the simulated environment in which the artificial life entities interact and are thrust into so to speak, is just as important as the underlying methodology that creates these entities or is used to continue these entities through the simulation and I think this is, you know, fundamentally the narrative to date with Noble Ape. I don't necessarily want and I'm finding this particularly with regards to the Greythumb blog, the biota related stuff is dominating the Greythumb blog currently but I don't want people to think that this is ultimately an evangelism exercise with regards to my views of Noble Ape it's not the way that I want to play this my is more that uh, there are various points of learning and ways in which one can move forward with regards to artificial life and looking historically at stuff that occurred 20 years ago i don't think is particularly productive so in my own view i'm going to try and stand against that as much as i can in terms of bio to life however i will probably be in the minority in that regard so an interesting addition of what may be coming in the future of bio to life anyway thank you very much for listening to this extended review of a documentary and my own reflections on open source and yeah tom at nobleape.com please feel free to get in contact the related facebook pages associated with this podcast and the noble ape development lots of exciting stuff coming up in 2008 the book chapter i'm working on with bruce is currently back with him so i hope to have more feedback today with regards to that stay tuned for more information on that and thank you very much for tuning into this podcast look forward to you tuning into the next podcast